Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to our friend David Locke coming up here momentarily. Locke's appearance on the show brought to you by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. Of course, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. We'll get his thoughts on uh, what to expect tonight against the Suns, Gordon. Yeah, I'm, I, it's a good time to talk with David. But before we do, I've got to say, I saw that Austin retweeted some, or he liked a tweet from Sven saying Ken Burns is a detailed storyteller. If that makes him great to you, great. And Austin liked that tweet. What you guys don't fail to understand is that Ken Burns won like 40 awards for that Civil Wars documentary. Why, why do you think I fail to understand that? Well, I mean, it won all kinds of awards. So, I mean. So? So it was a. It was, it so was, did In Sync, and I don't care was, for their music. It, 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 was, it was acclaimed as a great series. Birdman, just... Birdman won the Oscar, and that movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs> With Michael Keaton. Yeah, <laughs> horrible. That was a bad year. Yeah, I want that whatever two and a half hours of my life back because that was dreadful. Uh, let's ask David this. I'd like to know whether he whether he was a fan of uh, Ken Burns and what he thought of that particular series, The Civil War, because I thought it was great storytelling. I really did. Joining us now, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, here to uh, gratefully change the subject. Hi, David. <laughs> hey, dude. Hey, Monson. How long have you been yeah. in this town? What's it been now? 28, 29 years? When was the last time there was a regular season basketball game where the Jazz were the one seed playing the two seed? Uh, I imagine it would have been in 97 or 98. That's a long time ago. Why in gosh darn's name are you talking about Ken Burns right now? Great question. And when we have the voice of the jazz on the show to talk about. Why would anybody possibly care about this? Exactly. I love you, but why are we talking about Ken Burns and binge watching before binge watching was in and TV before TV was good? The reason we were talking about it, David, is because we do four or five hours of radio every day. And we, <laughs> we can't talk about the jazz the whole time. Can I remind you a phrase that I used to tell you when I was your program director? Play the hits, my friend. Play the hits. Over and over and over again. And you know what Ken Burns is not? The hits. Hit. No, no, he's not you that. Guys, Gordon, come on. I can come tell. on. I'm joking and laughing, and Gordon doesn't think I'm funny right now. This is going to be a testy interview. This is uncomfortable. I can tell Gordon's mad at me. <laughs> no, I just, it's surprising to me coming from you, David, because you're, when I think of you and, and our experience together doing radio, you were always about expanding various discussions and not limiting them to a singular emphasis. That's all. I'm sitting here trying to go through the history of the Utah Jazz and trying to find the last time the Jazz played a game with this relevance in the regular season, and I haven't found it yet. 
Yeah, it's it is pretty amazing. I, I'm really looking forward to this game tonight. And and David, I'm curious to know from you what you what you make of this. I mean, I think the Suns are really dangerous. I think they're legitimate. And it's, it seems like there's a lot of people, observers around the NBA, who kind of swat the Jazz and the Suns aside for one reason or the other. When I look at these two teams, I think they're fantastic, and I think they're dangerous, and I think they're contenders. If you don't buy the Jazz, you don't buy the Suns. And if you buy the Jazz, you got to buy the Suns. They're, 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 they're very similar, and they have the same flaws. Neither of them have stars that have won in the playoffs. Neither of them have stars that are what I, a phrase I used with Scotty and Hans this week, that are uh, opponent, like aren't opponent dependent, right? Like Luka and LeBron and Kawhi. doesn't really matter what you do to them. Um, you know, we'll see if Devin Booker reaches that point. We'll see if Donovan Mitchell uh, reaches that point where it, it just does, where they really truly become unguardable. Um and so, yeah, I, I think that if you don't buy one, you don't buy the other right now. And, you know, you don't buy – you buy this regular season's a little different than other regular seasons and you, you in some ways like that. But, um, you know, that you believe you got to have LeBron. You got, believe you got to have Jokic. You believe you have to have Harden, like, or something of that sort. Okay, I'll, if that's your logic, then I'll have, to, I'll have to tip my hat to you. At least you have consistency and logic. But these two teams have been great. They've been the two best teams in the NBA. They've avoided COVID. They've avoided injuries. Um, they've been consistent in, a, in an inconsistent season, and that's, that's the greatest thing you can say to both these teams. David, Eddie Johnson was on the station earlier today with Hanson Scotty, and he's an analyst uh, for the Suns. He does Sirius XM Radio as well. But uh, he said, statistic, if you look at the statistics, Devin Booker is undoubtedly better than Donovan Mitchell. Do you agree? Did he look at his 28% shooting in the clutch this year when he said that? I don't believe he mentioned his clutch shooting now. <laughs> he didn't he didn't he didn't mention he didn't mention his 28% sh- that he's that he's 16 of 58 in the clutch this year and 5 of 22 from 3. That that he didn't mention that? Nope. nope. Didn't come up. Oh, that's interesting. Um see cuz if we're really being honest about these two guys, that's actually both their next steps. Donovan's 35% in the clutch, 26% from three. He's only been okay. Booker's been far worse. Um, it's interesting. The, the numbers clearly show it. Really. Booker is slightly more efficient than Donovan. Booker is taller than Donovan, which I do think matters. Um, but I'm not sure what numbers he's speaking of. Um I don't really like counting stats a great deal, but I think their points per game and all their other stuff are pretty similar. Here's what I do think is really interesting about these two guys. And that is, I think they're both mischaracterized as who they are as players. Devin Booker is a scorer, not a shooter. Yet everyone thinks he's a shooter. Donovan Mitchell is a shooter not a scorer, but everybody thinks he's a scorer. Donovan's one of the great shooters in the NBA. Guy who he's generally averaging about 40% from three, eight attempts a year. That's only been done by like four guys ever in the history of the game going into the last season. Three of them, actually. Ray Allen did it. Steph Curry did it. Clay Thompson did it. Joe Harris. Like, that's it. 
Donovan is one of the great shooters in this league. He's When you look at the players who have taken eight threes and made 40%, Ray Allen, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Joe Harris, Duncan Robinson, Donovan Mitchell, he's a shooter. When you look at the best catch-and-shoot guys in the NBA over the last four years, Joe Harris is one, Donovan Mitchell's two. He's a shooter. Devin Booker's a scorer. Devin Booker plays off the bounce. He goes horizontally across the pick and roll. He gets in the lane. He uses his size to pull up for jump shots, but he's not a shooter per se. He'll get an open look. He'll probably make the shot. He's pretty darn good. But that's where these two guys are very, very different than what most people in the league think they are. Heard you talking earlier in the week, David, about how DeAndre Aiden has improved. Expand upon that a little bit. How much better of a player is he today than he was maybe before the year? Well, he was a defensive disaster earlier this year, um, or early in his career. So that's the first thing is that he's he's really become a a more engaged defender, and you know we should just give you know give him credit for that. And I think that's where he's improved uh, more than any of the aspects. And then I think just general overall kind of game focus and maturity. But he's in his third or fourth year in the league. Like what you know, he came in after one. Like what do we? Sometimes the expectations aren't fair, and I think, you know, he just had to learn the game and learn defensively, and he used to look horrendous. And frankly, he looked horrendous in the preseason games against us this year. So I'll be interested to see. I've got some. I've got a really interesting note because Gordon's mad at me right now. I got to see if I can get Gordon to not be mad at me anymore by at least reminding him I come up with interesting notes that nobody else would know. Okay, okay. are you ready, right. Gordon? Yep, I'm ready. All right, this is my peace offering. I come with unique peace offerings. <laughs> in Aiton's first year, he shot 9 of 21 when Gobert was the closest defender. Since then, he shot 6 of 9. So has he figured Gobert out? No, he stopped taking shots. In the first year, he took 21 shots in 19 minutes when guarded by Gobert, and he went 9 of 21, 44%. Since then, he's only taken nine shots in 13 minutes of being guarded by Gobert. So he went from about 1.1 shots per minute to about 0.6 shots per minute because he simply stopped shooting against Rudy Gobert. We'll see whether that holds tonight. David, one thing that we had Come on, Tom Gordon. Tam- that was pretty good. Yeah, that was good. I, I liked it. I liked You're all your You're still mad stats. at me, aren't you? You're still sour. No, I'm not. Still no, sucking a lemon so. over there. I can feel it. No, I, I just uh, – maybe I don't care enough, <laughs> but I, I'm not mad. I want to ask you about what Tom Chambers said uh, earlier uh, on our show. He he said that the Suns have the best bench in the NBA. Do you think the Suns bench is considerably better than well, the They Jazz's? are really feeling good about themselves, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they're 27-6 and six over their last stretch of games, and that – and that is when they have been hot, and that is that is wildly impressive. It's too bad our record's better in that time period. They must wow. They are feeling good about themselves. It would be really a crushing blow to feel that good about yourself and get your handed to you at home tonight, wouldn't it? That would just be too bad for Eddie and Tom. Um, they're really good. I'm just kind of having fun. Um, they have a unique lineup that they run out there with their bench unit that's been very successful, and that's with Dario Saric as their center. So when they when they have their overall, their team is about plus eight per um, 
for 48 minutes. When they pull Aiton and they bring in Sarge, and Sarge might not be like a household name to our average listener right now. He's a six foot ten European who came to the league as a three, has evolved into a five. He's a decent shooter, good ball mover. They're plus 15 when Sarge is on the floor and Aiton is off the floor. So as much as we just talked about how Aiton is so much better, the fact of the matter is when Aiton's on the floor, this team is not as good as when he's on the bench. They're plus seven. They're still good when he's on the floor. But they're great when he goes off and they go to that bench unit with Sarge. So that'll be key to watch tonight. In the first matchup of these two teams, Monty Williams matched DeAndre Eaton to Rudy Gobert for much of the game and broke their regular substitution pattern. And then, um, and we'll see whether or not he does that again or whether or not he now is confident enough about his bench or he wants Sarge matched up on favors um, or not. Because, frankly, it's probably to our advantage a little bit to have favors dealing with their stretch lineup um, and the way they're doing it. It'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on that tonight. He usually, in the last few games, I checked it today, Aiton played the about the first nine or ten minutes of the first quarter. Rudy only plays the first five. Watch at the five-minute mark if Aiton stays in the game or whether they're going to their bench unit. What they've been doing is playing a five-man bench unit that is Javon Carter, Dario Saric, uh, Cameron Johnson, Torrey Craig, and, and and then uh, Chris Paul kind of comes in and leads it in the second quarter when it's great. That would be against the Jazz best lineup. Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, George Niang, and Rudy Gobert. We've been at our best between the end of the first quarter and the end of the second. That's when they've been at their best, too. That'll be a key part of this basketball game. i got a follow-up question for you, David, about Jay Crowder. How much of an advantage is it to have a player who used to play on the opponent's team? Is that any kind of factor at all? I do think it is an advantage, particularly because I think that the Jazz have some unique qualities of how they play. And so um, I think that that's – I think he can help them out a little bit. What we're going to see tonight – Every time Rudy Gobert rolls the basket, someone's going to hit him. That's what Dallas did. Larry Allen, former Cowboy Hall of Famer offensive tackle, would have been would have been impressed by the blocking the Mavericks did on Rudy Gobert's rolls to the basket. They're going to that that worked. They're going to follow that lead. They're going to hit, but they're also going to add a twist that Dallas couldn't add, which was physical play on the wing. So Mikel Bridges is a great defender. Jay Crowder is physical getting in on our wing passers and our wing entry plays and seeing and top blocking us and seeing how we react to that physically. So that's going to be a huge part of this game is how the Jazz react to Jay Crowder, the physical play of Jay Crowder and Mikel Bridges, but also watch Rudy's roles early in the game and see how many guys he's running into, how many guys are hitting him, and whether or not um, you know the Jazz can handle that. David, thank you very much as always. We'll see you here at the arena tonight. I have one last thing for you. All right. As a great, great philosopher once said, let's go. <laughs> Thanks, David. See ya. David Locke, you'll hear him tonight on the call with Ron Boone. Uh, Tip-off coming your way a little after 8 o'clock. Should be a good one. I'm really looking forward to it, man. It's going to be fun to see this game, see how the Jazz react, see what kind of shape they're in after that uh, disappointing 
performance against Dallas. Uh, they, they should be completely up for this one. I, I think it's going to be a real battle. How long do you remember, uh, Gordon, off the top of your head? David was trying to think of the last time a Jazz matched up 1-2 uh, versus a team in the Western Conference. How long were the Jazz in first back in, uh, what did you say, 97-98? I mean, this, this honestly is something that may never have ha- happened. I thought that they were. I thought they were in first place for much of the season. Was it much so, of the season? I can't remember. I'm. I'm. Well, the 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 second. Let's see. The first year they had the best record in the league at the end of the year, and uh, I think they did finish very strong that year. But uh, I thought they had a bunch of wins. I thought so it was the to... second year where they had home court advantage and the and were the best team in the league. I thought that was year two. Their because... record was actually better the first year. Were they in first though? I, in the West, right? Yeah, I think they were. But now you've but the whole league, my interest. not the whole league, right? Well, the Bulls had home court advantage in, in the, the first, first finals, year, right? Yeah. The second time the Jazz did. I think yeah, that's I, right. Yeah, that definitely is right. Because but the record, the record was actually better the first finals trip. If I'm, I, I, I swear I'm remembering that correctly, but I'm checking as we speak. But anyway, it's something that uh, that hasn't happened a lot in Jazz franchise history. That's why, uh, you know, folks enjoy the ride. This team has spent most of the year with the best record in the league. Okay, so in '96, '97, they finished with a record of 64 and 18. And I can't go through game by game. I don't. I, I can't give you updates. But I, that that would. That would suggest that they were in first a lot. The following year, they were 62-20. and 20. So two so, games worse the following yeah. year, but mm-hmm. yet they had first But they home had court home advantage. court, yeah, the second year. Huh. Yeah. And I really thought the Jazz were the best team in the league heading into that playoff series with the Bulls. I, I really did. I mean, two Hall of Famers uh, that seemed at the top of their games and – it just it didn't work out for him, but uh, yeah, those were special seasons, and you know to to demonstrate how great that sixty four and eighteen record was. We remember we were talking the other day about whether the Jazz could, how many losses they would whether they'd end up with with eighteen or fewer losses this year, playing ten fewer games. That's all you got to know because the Jazz, if, I was talking to someone the other day and they said, this is the best I've ever seen the Jazz play. And that really gave me pause because I thought, is it better than what we saw in 97 and 98? Certainly different. I don't know how comparable it is. <laughs> Way different, yeah. All right, uh, we get to uh, sounds, well, drop of the day, also known as sounds of various clips, coming up right around the corner. Don't forget, Jazz pregame starts at 7. Tip-off for Jazz Suns is at 8. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. Big thanks to David Locke for jumping on with us in the last segment. His interview brought to you by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. 
Let's get into Drop of the Day, also known as Sounds of Various Clips. Somehow on the show today, Ken Burns came up. Gordon has a serious man crush on Ken Burns. No, I don't. I just like the couple of series I saw. We can't even make fun of his hair and call his movies slow. Gordon was about to, to punch us out. You know, speaking of the jazz, because they're doing so well this year. Austin and I were going back and forth during the break trying to find out, make some comparisons between the jazz of uh, your and the jazz now and whether there was a first versus second matchup. Wait a minute. I, I, we're season. setting up drop of the, the day. I, 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 that's I why I brought up Ken Burns. And no, we were going to have just, a nice big segment about the jazz after this. I just wanted to get one thing off my chest real quick. I thought it was interesting that the jazz currently have a better net rating than they did in 96-97. All right. That's all. Uh, well, Ken Burns, coincidentally enough, was on Jimmy Kimmel, and they made fun of his hair. In addition to Hemingway, you have another uh, project that um, you're working on right now, something that's very personal to you. No, no, it is personal to me, and it's grown out of many things. It means a lot to me, and, and, and thank you for our thinking about that. Well, thank you for bringing us this uh, exclusive preview of uh, Ken Burns' next documentary. Take a look. Benjamin Franklin once said, there are three things you can count on in this lifetime. Death, taxes, and Ken Burns' bowl cut. And for 66 years, those words rang true. Wars were won and lost. Societies rose and fell. But Ken Burns' perky bob served as a symbol of American resilience until 2020, when the world changed. PBS and Pantene Pro-V present Here I Am. During the Civil War, Phineas Cuthbert Burns was shooting his musket when it backfired, perfectly singeing his hairline into its now iconic shape. Phineas saw it as a sign of good luck, and four generations of Burns have carried his legacy on their heads until one blustery New Hampshire afternoon in the spring of 2020. I was watching a Billy Ray Cyrus TikTok. And it looked like he was having so much fun with that windswept hair. And I thought, I'd like to have fun with my hair, too. On July 17th of that year, Ken received a letter from his barber. Dearest Kenneth, my heart is made heavy by your absence these past six months. But I keep a lock of your hair as remembrance in the hope that one day you will return to me so I can place the Burns family bowl back on your head and cut around it with my scissors, just as my father and grandfather did before me. Locks of love, Lou. Coming up, Ken Burns faces the frizzies when Here I Am returns. Pretty funny. <laughs> Was he laughing? Yeah, he, he was actually part of that whole thing, yeah. When you heard Ken Burns talk, it was actually him talking. Oh, so they okay. set it up with him. Uh, it, so he knows he wears a wig. He's aware of the tube. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've insulted the, the Montague's or Capulets here. I don't know. No, 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 it's fine. It's, uh. All right. 
Fun I, segment. I, I was, you know, no, no, it's, it was funny. Uh, I like it. I like it when when well known people sort of make fun of themselves. You know, it's just because his his documentaries are very serious usually, so it's kind of funny to see him in that role. And thus, they played off the serious nature with the parody of his hair. You know, like the right. letters home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, we're going to get to a big jazz segment coming up next. We'll have Gordon reset his net rating stat. <laughs> no. We'll get to that right uh, on the other side, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Go Jazz! Woohoo! Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. And the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Late jazz tip tonight on the road, taking on the second-seeded Phoenix Suns uh, tonight in Phoenix. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock, a little bit after. Uh, pre-game coverage, Coach Tim Lacombe will be along for the ride with me. That'll start at 7. Uh, so uh, this this is one of the bigger games uh, of the year thus far, Gordon. And um, I'll start out the conversation resetting a point I had uh, earlier in the in the uh, in the show. You know, tonight is a big game. I'm excited to watch it, but it's not going to change my opinion. I don't think one way or the other, based on the outcome. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment all the way around. I mean, it's one game, right? But it's a really interesting game because these two teams. Are, are both emerging teams, and both of them have the, the two best records in the West and a very competitive conference. And they have young players who I, I think this is going to be intense. We talked about it uh, before, Jake, but I, I think this is going to be intense because I think both teams are trying to prove to the other team that, hey, I'm the new kid on the block, not you. And that usually, when you have highly skilled athletes, going at it that way it usually is immensely entertaining you've brought this up a couple of times uh tom chamber said on our show earlier today that uh, he felt like denver had the better bench i was surprised by that opinion because i really couldn't disagree a whole lot more i mean dario Saric is a fine player but yeah i i don't know are you are you i mean cameron johnson is okay cameron Payne. I mean, uh, I think Tory Craig was a sneaky, interesting acquisition for them at the trade deadline because he can D up. But as we saw in the playoffs last year, he's so bad on offense, you can't really play him down the stretch anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you're a Frank Kaminsky guy, but I mean, there's a, these are a whole <laughs> bunch of dudes that are averaging about five to six points a game. Yeah, there's a lot of names you just mentioned there. And so maybe someone can measure depth that way. But uh, now I, I'm, I'm not sure that they have more influential players coming off the bench than the Jazz. Certainly not a Jordan Clarkson or a Joe Ingles or a Derek right. Favors. Right. Right. And even George Niang has been really useful for what the Jazz utilize him for. I mean, to be fair, I'd still take uh, Saric over George Niang. But George has played great, <laughs> right? And Saric is probably their best player coming in off the bench. 
Yeah, I, I would say so. So, yeah. So that's what I'm talking about, man. With this, every every matchup you see, there's something intriguing about it. That uh, And again, like you said, this, is, this game's not going to prove anything tonight. But for one night, it might. And that's all we can really ask for at this point. And, of course, if the Suns win, then guess who's trailing the Jazz by only one and a half games at that point? Well, we mentioned it earlier, uh, the Jazz have a far easier schedule down the stretch than the Suns do. They have fewer back-to-back games. They have they have an advantage there. So we'll see. Uh, I, this, if I guess if you're going to look at it that way, this game is more important for the Suns than it is for the Jazz. Yeah, I don't think the Suns catch the Jazz either way, honestly. Um, for for part of the reason that you just said right there, and I think uh, something I believe was maybe locked the other day mentioned that um, they're gonna they're gonna rest Chris Paul and they're gonna rest players coming down the stretch if they're smart. I mean, yes. maybe they won't, uh, well. but I it, you know if Chris Paul is really the key to their playoff success, I mean, he absolutely has a history of of being injured or running out of gas or whatever you want to say uh, in the playoffs. So they need to keep him fresh. That's much more important to the Phoenix Suns than finishing, you know, first in the Western Conference. So, and, and you know, a game and a half that goes out to two to three, you know, if it if it gets stays at that length, I mean, it's, it's going to start getting hard to make up games. And let's, you know, not ignore the fact that the Jazz have won games at a pretty high clip thus far this year so making up ground might not be all that easy but i don't i'm not convinced it's all that important either it might be important from this standpoint jake and you mentioned matchups earlier theoretically if you're the first seed uh and you're going to play the eighth seed in the first round with that playing tournament they have you could end up with a a Warriors or a Spurs team, if they get lucky or something crazy happens or whatever, that might be your first-round opponent as opposed to the Dallas Mavericks, which I think would be much more difficult. Uh, I mean, look, you gotta you got to beat everybody sooner or later anyway, so maybe none of that stuff really matters. So, But, uh, but I, I think the Jazz will be super motivated tonight. They'll have their reasons uh, because they take pride in this. They want to finish first. And if they lose this game, then the Suns, in the case, in the crazy case, that there might be a tie, then the Suns would have the tiebreaker. Right. So what what do you think about the matchup specifically tonight? You were pretty – I don't want to I – I often put words in your mouth, Gordon, but I'm not intentionally trying to do so here. You were somewhat discouraged by the performance against the Mavericks. And uh, you, do you expect that or something like that to continue? I wasn't discouraged by it, but I think the Jazz might have been slightly discouraged by it, and fans might have been discouraged by it. I, I just that's one of those moments in time of weakness where the Jazz yeah, they didn't quit and they gave themselves credit for that, but it's hard to make three point shots. <laughs> that's no doubt, right? What the Jazz have been doing, hitting forty percent from deep, is is just kind of one of those things that you go, "Wow, that's really amazing." And so you have a game. What were they, Jake? Twelve of forty-four, something like that. Uh, if the Jazz shoot like that in the playoffs, they're going to lose. You thought the team opinion. itself was discouraged? Oh I, well, I wasn't discouraged. I, I, no, I no, no but you said those... you thought the team was discouraged. I'm just asking where, why you thought. In that. The, well, maybe not discouraged, maybe disappointed. Because you know, be I thought the post game was surprisingly upbeat after Dallas. Well, like it wasn't know, so really. A, and, and I'm asking you because maybe I read the room wrong, right? You know, maybe my interpretation is not always accurate. Just most of the time. 
I just think what people what people say sometimes is a little different than what they're really feeling. But it's a loss. Nobody likes to lose. All right. I was just curious to why you were under that impression. Because I yeah. was not. I, they didn't sound discouraged to me. It's something that I tried to pay attention to in the post. Their kind of attitude after a performance, as you mentioned, 12-44. You know, that's tough to be that cold. And if anything, they wore it, well, Donovan wore it as a badge of honor that they only lost by eight, which, again, we talked about this yesterday, but that stood out to me because you don't hear that all that often. Well, this is what I think is going to happen tonight in relation to that, Jake. I think the Suns are going to try and jam the Jazz shooters. Uh, I, I, I think they're going to try and do what they can. No, duh. I mean, everybody doesn't want their opponent to shoot the ball well, but I think the Suns are going to go out of their way to try and pressure them around the three-point arc. So we'll see if they're successful in doing that. But it, the, the reason that's connected is – Sometimes, obviously, if, if that's someone's emphasis, then it's harder to shoot a, a high percentage from distance like that. If they so, do that, and, and they very might, uh, I'm not doubting you from that perspective, but if they do that, they better hope DeAndre Ayton's a lot better at defense than he was. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, talking, yeah, to, talking to Locke, and, and hey, the, the proof is there. He's been, he's been better defensively. But yeah. like going back to the preseason, I mean, that was not even fair. DeAndre Ayton going up against Rudy Gobert. And, oh. and hey, I'm not going to doubt Ayton if he's gotten better and maybe he goes out there and has a heck of a game. But if they do what you're talking about and stay home on all the shooters, well, then Ayton better have one hell of a night. So then let me then, – then, that brings up a great question, Jake, and it's this. If you were an opponent of the Jazz, which would you think would be more dangerous, which would be more harmful for you and, uh, and sort of uh, – you know – take away your chances of winning, jamming your shooters or taking care of Rudy Gobert. Because if Rudy scores has a big game scoring, but the Jazz don't shoot well from distance, uh, I, I, th I think that's less harmful to the Suns than the other way around. See, I, I'm not sure it's about total number of points from Rudy, and I think that you always want to take away the rim first. Because you're going right. to have to stop somebody from dunking on you every time down the floor. Eventually, you're going to have to do something different. Well, if it, and that's a good point, because if they do try to crowd the three-point line, then what have we said? That this Jazz team has some, some playmakers who can beat their man off the dribble and, and take it to the hoop and, and, and dunk it. You know, so Rudy's not the only one doing the dunking. No, so if you're gonna well, if you're gonna go over the screens and sag the big, if you're gonna do both of those, right? If you're gonna try and hug the shooters and sag the big to take away Rudy, you better hope that the guy you're you're using to take away Rudy succeeds. Yeah, because yeah. It, because if he doesn't, you. you have to change. So I don't think it's quite as simple as do you let Rudy just dunk all night or do you hug the shooters? Because if Rudy dunks all night. The Jazz are going to score 160 points. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I mean, the, the, that's the, the beauty of how they play. But is if it's effective, you have to change. You have okay, to. Okay, so re so review that again. I mean, what what how how is it so damaging for the Jazz to get 28 points out of Rudy Gobert if if their three point shooters are are defended better? Because Rudy shoots almost 80% from the field. I'm exaggerating a little bit. And that just means that he's scoring every time down. Well, So I mean, you better be scoring every it, time down. His, or his career high is how many? Uh, what's his career high, 28, something like that? No, Rudy's been in the 30s before, hasn't Has he? he? I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, I'm just 
Uh, all I know is when the Jazz get those clear looks at the basket and they're feeling it, man, it's it's hard to find a team that will beat them under those circumstances. And I get that it's all connected and that Rudy is a part of that by what he does too. But I, I, I don't know. Either way, whatever the Suns uh, – I'm trying to remember that fourth game of the season. And, and it just seems like – I don't think that was a particularly high-scoring game, but it wasn't particularly low-scoring. No, it was about the Suns' defense. The the Suns Suns played really good defense against the Jazz. It was was, like like 111 to 106 or something. Am I remembering that correctly? But they stifled them with pressure defense, if you remember. And it wasn't like there's a difference between pressure defense and hug the shooters. They ran pressure defense like they really wanted to pressure the ball. Yeah, that's true. So it, it... well, there is a subtle difference there. Not that the Suns won't do both, but in that particular game, um, they really pressured the ball. That's where they were able to be effective. Well, it's uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, man. It's just piqued my interest, and and maybe it means more to those of us who watch from the outside than it does from the guys playing. But I I think it means something to everybody involved, and I think it's, it's the feeling is mutual. The Suns really want to beat the Jazz. And uh, Devin Booker doesn't strike me as a shrinking violet. He seems like he he wants to promote himself. And I think if he goes out tonight and has a far superior game to Donovan Mitchell, he'll beat his chest over that. I hope he checks himself in to get 60 when they're down 20 again. That'd be funny. <laughs> I would just double team him and make him cry. Oh, yeah, you could do that. I mean, that's literally what he has done in the past. It is? Wait a minute. That was in a – was that in like a summer league game or something? It's not was even it? that. It was a gym, a pickup gym game. But. Still counts. And <laughs> and Chris Paul cries constantly. There could be a lot of tears tonight. A lot of tears. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to look for that. Can we get a tear count? What's the over-under there? Uh, three and a half crying people in Suns Well, there's going to be at least two. Who would be the third? So two and, and a fourth. half. Okay. Yeah, so two, two and a half. half. So who would be the third? Well, Eaton. Right? Eaton seems to is, be a whiner. Is he a whiner? I don't know enough about Eaton to know if he's in, a whiner. In a strange way, I, I, this is kind of weird to say, but we talked earlier about how Jay Crowder sometimes gets hot and and and, and can make a bunch of shots. I think uh, PK might have brought that up on the morning show, but but if he's hot tonight, how much of a boost does that give the Suns? Because when he's not, and Jazz fans remember those times too, then uh, that would go a long way toward helping the Jazz get some longer rebounds and get into transition and get some easy baskets. See, here's the thing with Jay, though, and this was true with the Jazz too. Yeah, he's he's got no shame whatsoever, and he <laughs> throws a really hard ball at the rim. I mean, I've never seen anybody like it. I mean, it, it does not – I mean, it either goes – in without touching any sort of rim, or it's coming off like like the backboard exploded. It's like I mean, look out below. Yeah. He, I mean, it is a heavy ball. It's like a shoot. medicine ball. Going but up there. but Jay does so many other things that make him really valuable. And Tom Chambers actually mentioned that when he was on with us, and I, Tom was right about this that he's such an energy dude that he really can contribute even when he's throwing stones at the rim. And I I believe that he had an impact on this Jazz roster. He did. That's why Quinn liked him so much. And that's why Quinn let him shoot whenever he wanted, because he did a whole bunch of other stuff that was really valuable, and he didn't want to stifle his uh, Jay Crowderness. But that's also why the opponent let him shoot whenever he wanted. True. I mean, Jay tweets all in caps. That's how he plays. Like he's yelling all the time. (laughs) Remember how many times that that whoever was defending, whoever the Jazz were playing, 
especially in the playoffs, would leave two guys wide open whenever they had the ball. Jay Crowder was one, and who was the other? Ricky Rubio. Donovan Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, I guess uh, folks would rather take their chances there. All right, uh, we'll have more Big Show coming up. Stay tuned. Again, Jazz uh, game against Phoenix tips off uh, just after 8 o'clock, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a big show, Jazz game night pregame show coming up next. Utah Jazz Phoenix Suns should be a big one. Coach Lacombe uh, will jump on with me for pre-half and post-game coverage. Uh, Gordon, you want to hit us with some final thoughts before we jump into pregame? No, I just I just think this is everything you just said. This game is really, really an important one. Obviously, numerically, it doesn't matter any more than any other game although it, it could be a full game difference uh, in the standings. And so that's really important, obviously, for the Jazz. But uh, just for my basketball uh, fans' enjoyment, this is a game that should be circled and definitely take the time to watch. And if you're a Jazz fan, of course, wouldn't want to miss it. Yeah, I would expect both teams to come out with a little bounce in their step. and We should see a real competitive one tonight. Um, I think we'll see a much better performance than they gave against Dallas. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see, you know, these two teams that are kind of the out-of-nowhere teams to a lot of the uh, pundits nationally. And so yeah. it, it's going to be fun to see them square off. And so in the past, we in the times when the Jazz have struggled a little bit, sometimes the, there's a lack of aggression. I expect the Jazz to be super fired up for this game and at the defensive end uh, in particular because they want to prove a point too. I mean, and they hear the talk. I think these things that we've heard Eddie Johnson say and Tom Chambers say today, this is something that is said amongst the Suns. They'll be fired up too. So, uh, and I think Rudy will be particularly fired up, but I think Donovan will, all of them will. And so at the defensive end, they'll have to be careful not to get into foul trouble. But uh, other than that, uh, it's, it's always good when the Jazz are aggressive. All right, Gordon, you enjoy the uh, enjoy the evening, enjoy the game. I'll talk to you tomorrow. You too, Jake. Thanks. Coming up next, Jazz Game Night pregame show on the Jazz Radio Network.